Denzel Washington one day in a film, he was talking to a guy um, and he said this, he said, hey, we're not aiming for perfection, we're aiming for progress. And that's, that's a little bit about what Jesus is talking about here. And he's not asking for perfection, but he is asking for progress. And I have to turn from the way that I'm living now toward God's best for my life. And that starts a chain reaction. going to be looking at some more of the vineyard tour. The, all the stories and parables that Jesus used to, to talk and illustrate points that he based around or in or, or about the characters who were part of the vineyard scene um, in his culture. Now, the one I want to look at today is, is just a chapter further on that we looked at last week. This is in Matthew chapter 21. And as always, one of the, the most important things about this is the context. Who is Jesus speaking to it in what context? Now, now, Matthew 21 and verse 23, it gives us an idea of the context of what Jesus is talking about and where he's talking about it from. Now, this is what it says. Now, remember, context is massively important. In verse 23 of Matthew 21, when Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching, the leading priests and elders came and demanded of him, by what authority are you doing these things? Who, who gave you the right to teach in our temple? Now, you've got to remember, who these, who these legal experts are actually talking to. They're talking to the Messiah, the, the person who, who the temple is actually about, about Yahweh in, in physical flesh, the, 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 the central figure of the temple. And, and they're asking him, who gave you authority to teach? Now listen what Jesus says. He says, I tell you the truth. I'll tell you what authority I do these things under if you answer for me just one question and then he asks him a question in verse 25 John the Baptist when he baptized where did his authority come from was it from human beings or was it from heaven so they talked it over among themselves and they said if we say it's from heaven he will ask then why didn't you believe him and if we say it was human from human beings We'll be mobbed because the people believed that he was a prophet. So they finally replied to Jesus after all this discussion, we don't know. Ooh, the, yeah, they're lying. They did know, but they were actually afraid of the answer. And then Jesus says this, then I won't tell you by what authority that I do these things. And then... He goes straight into this story about a vineyard. There's no gap. It's straight, just like before. 
context is massively important. So he, he goes straight from, so I won't tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. And then he says this, but what do you think about this? He is scary smart. This is just genius debating. It is incredible intellectual stuff. It's an intellectual chess match in which there is no equal for Jesus himself. He goes straight into, so what do you think about this? This is where he goes and this is the story that he tells. What do you think about this? Oh, you can see the glint in his eye as he's saying it. A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go in the work, go and work in the vineyard today. See, I told you it was gonna be about vineyards. Go in the work, go to work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. In verse 30, then the father told his other son, you go, and he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Verse 31, Jesus asked another question. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. And, and we think, well, of course, oh, well, of course, that's an easy answer. But it's an easy answer in our culture. Like I said, context is important. Our brains somebody once said, are exquisitely tuned to context. That's why when we say our brains are like a computer, we're actually wrong because I can take my computer or my smartphone and I can, I can use it in the snow, I can use it in the rain, I can use it in the sunshine, I can use it at the beach, I can use it at the mall, I can use it by the river, I can use it on the highway, I can use it wherever I want. And the context that I use it in doesn't change the functionality of the computer in my smartphone or in my laptop. but the location of where I am changes everything about my senses and my brain. And the culture that I'm immersed in changes everything about the context in which my brain hears things. And the context of the culture that Jesus asks this question in, which one obeyed, for us, is easy because we just say well the answer is easy uh the one the one that that did the father's will is is the one who obeyed but in their culture they have to pause to think about this because they come from a culture where it is absolutely wrong to deny your father something to his face so the son that says in the story um yes, I'll go, but then doesn't, in their culture, is saving face and doing the right thing in front of his dad who's asking him to go. Now, to us, that's weird. But I was in a culture where I would ask people, hey, will you do this for me? And they go, oh, yes, pass, yes, yes, I'll do that. But they, they called me pass instead of pastor. They shortened it. Yes, pass, we'll do that. And I'd wait a few days and nothing. 
absolutely nothing. And I'd say to him again, hey, listen, we need to do this. Can, can we do this? We need to have this set up in this way so that we can actually function and have this service in this way. And they go, oh yes, pass, we'll do that. A few days later, nothing. Because for them in their culture, all they had to do to fulfill what I was asking was just agree with me at that time. And it's interesting actually, because sometimes you go to cultures as a Christian, as a speaker, as a missionary maybe, and you may stand in front of people and preach, and then you would give an appeal like you would in a Western circumstance, and everybody will flood to the front to respond to the words that you've given. And you might think, wow, God is working incredibly here, and he may be in individuals' lives, but in that culture, it would be absolutely disrespectful and wrong to not respond in the way that they perceive that you want them to. And that's true in this story. So when Jesus asked the question, which one honored the father, which one obeyed the father, which one did the right thing, for us it's an easy answer. For them, they've got to ponder it. It's a little bit of a hmm moment. But then, listen to what it says. Verse 31, which of the two obeyed his father? They replied the first. They actually get it right. Not as easy as we might think. Then Jesus explained his meaning. Wow, at this point, it's like pin your ears back, right? Because Jesus is about to explain exactly what he meant in the whole context of this, them asking the original question way back at the beginning of the passage. By whose authority are you doing these things? And then he tells them this story about the son in the vineyard. Which one actually obeyed the father? And now he's going on to explain exactly why he did that and what he meant by it. And listen to what he says. And so this is the end part of verse 31. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, he says. Now, whenever you hear Jesus say, I tell you the truth, or verily, verily, or truly, I say, or truly, truly, it basically means, listen up which actually doesn't make any sense because you can't just listen up. It means turn your ears on, pin your ears back, clean out your ears, listen intently because I'm going to give you some gems. That's what Jesus is saying, all right? So I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John the Baptist, Remember Jesus' question about John the Baptist? For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. I want to read that again. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of heaven before you. You know, tax collectors, corrupt tax collectors, tax collectors and hookers were not the type of people that the, that the priests and the teachers of the law and the experts and the elders would expect to see in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus chose these people 
that they wouldn't expect to see ahead of the law keepers and the teachers and the elders and the Pharisees and the religious religious sticklers and he said these corrupt tax collectors and hookers are going to get into the kingdom of heaven ahead of you why because you didn't believe but they did believe what a great thought they believed they believed now it's, it's not just a casual belief it's not just a casual oh yeah i believe that jesus lived it's an owning personally owning the fact that jesus lived that he walked on this earth that he died on a cross wrongly accused as an innocent man in my place for all the wrong that i have committed and he has forgiven me personally and you personally for that and now i live my life in that forgiveness and Jesus is saying that's what the corrupt tax collectors and the prostitutes did and you don't. You don't believe John when he talks. You don't believe my words Jesus is saying about what he said. You don't believe that. You just carry on with your empty traditions and your empty forms thinking that you can earn your way into heaven and you can't. This is what it says, John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you wouldn't believe while the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. Now listen to this. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe. This is not just that they didn't know and they made a mistake in their ignorance. This is not just a random mistake. This is deliberate refusal to believe the evidence that John placed in front of these people. This is a deliberate refusal as, as Jesus is talking by, by these religious people to see the signs and wonders that Jesus was doing, to hear the teaching that he was giving in the temple and a deliberate, absolutely deliberate refusal to accept the evidence and the truth of what they were seeing and to turn their back on it and refuse to believe. Now listen, because this is really, really important. How Jesus ends up this story and the word that he uses. I wanna, wanna, wanna read this to you. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe John's message and repent of your sins. I, I want to stop there. Because that's how Jesus ends up this story. This is his closing remark. This is his, his finishing statement. You refuse to believe the message and you refuse to repent of your sins. You refused. But the corrupt tax collectors and the hookers acknowledged their sin and they repented. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that they just sat in corners and went, oh, no, we're useless, we're worthless. No, nothing good is ever going to happen to us. We're terrible human beings. We're, oh, we're, we're lost. No, they didn't sit around browbeating themselves and, and, and just sitting in, in a huddle feeling sorry for themselves and, their, and, and the things that they'd done. It means they acknowledged what they'd done and they accepted the forgiveness of God for 
the wrong things that they'd done in their life. And Jesus sums up all of that by this one word, repent. That's the word that he chooses to use. You don't hear that very much in our societies anymore. You rather hear things like, well, everybody's basically good. Everybody's, uh, everybody's got good inside them. You know, we really don't need to repent. We don't, we don't need to turn from our ways and turn toward God's ways. Now, notice, Jesus doesn't say that the corrupt tax collectors and the prostitutes became perfect. He doesn't say that. Denzel Washington one day in a film, can't remember what film it was, he was talking to a guy um, and he said this, he said, hey, we're not aiming for perfection, we're aiming for progress. <laughs> I thought that was a great quote. And that's, that's a little bit about what Jesus is talking about here, only his words are way more weighty than Denzel Washington, who is a fine actor. But Jesus' words are a life and death. Denzel Washington's words are just off a script from a playwright. Jesus' words are life and death for our souls and our spirits and our eternity. And he's not asking for perfection, but he is asking for progress. A leaning in towards God's best for my life. And that begins when I acknowledge that the way that I am living now is not God's best. And I have to turn from the way that I'm living now toward God's best for my life. And that starts a chain reaction. A chain reaction of me realizing that a way that I'm living now is not God's best. That it, that it demands of me a change in the way that I live. And that I move towards God's best. Progress, not perfection. And as I do that... I grow as a human being. I live towards God's best for me. The best that Jesus bought for me by his death on the cross and his resurrection from a tomb three days later. He bought that for me and he bought that for you. It's a wonderful thing about being a follower of Jesus. He doesn't expect perfection of me. He expects progress in my life. And sometimes I meet people who, who may have come to a point in their life where they think, hey, you know what? I actually need some Jesus in my life. I need some Jesus to be part of my life. But that's as far as they go. But that's why the Bible over and over again talks about discipleship. Learning an onward progressive journey in my understanding about what God says in his word and that's the difference between just having some Jesus in my life and becoming a disciple and a follower of Jesus because if I'm a follower and a disciple of the teachings of Jesus then then that chain reaction continues and if and if I just accept a bit of Jesus in my life then that's as far as it goes and I go no further but Jesus, as he's talking to these people, is saying, the corrupt tax collectors, the corrupt people, and the hookers, they accepted this. And they repented and turned from the way they were living and started a journey to follow Jesus. I pray today, I pray today, 
that as we go back to that original question, the original question that Jesus asked, which one obeyed the Father? And the right answer is, the one that actually did what he asked. You see, the truth of the matter is, actions do speak louder than words. It's not enough for me to turn up in church on a Sunday or turn up at church at Christmas and Easter or, or on, on, on Remembrance Day. It, it, it's not enough for me to be part of these big celebrations and sing a few songs and, and, to, and to pray the Lord's Prayer um, and, and then walk away and live however I want. It's not enough to do that. Actions speak louder than words. But remember, it's progress, not perfection. Oh, God, help me. Help me be like the son that obeyed what you asked him to do. In Jesus' name, help us all to be that. And be people who are on a lifelong journey, a lifelong journey of learning what it means to be a follower of the teachings of Jesus. Hey, bless you. Thank you for listening. And uh, God be with you.
I don't know if you notice, mate, but every now and again I got distracted because there's fish jumping in this stream just here, mate. There's fish, there's fish, man. Fish, there's fish jumping. And, and, and I got distracted every now and again. Sorry if you could edit that out, don't know if you know. Fish. Thank you.